Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have a special guest on that is located in New York. And the reason why this is a special guest is because it's a workplace attorney. And I think that it is very, very essential for all entrepreneurs and business owners to understand this part of their business. So welcome to the show, Nats. Thank you. Um, it's great to be here. We've been chatting a little bit about what it's like to be um, dealing with the coronavirus like everybody in the world is still dealing with. And um, that's been a lot of the work lately is me, you know, ad advising people in the various phases of bringing people to work or not bringing them to work and all the conflicts that come around that because I, you know, I mediate as well as um, occasionally litigate. I try to avoid that. I try, my goal is to keep people out of court. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to talk to entrepreneurs because I, I know, unfortunately, what they do to get themselves into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump right into that, what made, like, what was your background? What made you choose this path or this route? <laughs> it's, it's funny because, you know, as I was preparing for this, like, oh, I always, you know, I want to be able to tell people that there was a direct progression, but there, I think you know there's a meme, right, that goes around on the, uh, on the internet periodically that says you think success is going to be either a straight line or these steps that you follow and it's like, and, and then they show what it really looks like is more like this. <laughs> That's kind of the way it feels sometimes because I had started an architecture school. Uh, you know, I'd been artistic and so my mom you know, kind of channeled me into architecture school thinking I might make a little more money that way. And um, then she got cancer. And so I moved back home from the program I was in. And, you know, it took a while to figure out, like, she wasn't going to let me drop out of school, right? So she's like, you're still going to college. I don't care. <laughs> and, um, and so I said, well, now what, what do I do? And I got a job at UPS while I'm, you know, helping with the family and, and trying to figure out what's next. You just kind of take those basic courses those first years right in college and I uh, and I've I moved up at UPS while I was there and I got this taste of what it was like to be in human resources eventually they moved me into HR and that's when I got a little bit more familiar with the law and how work is is so common to everybody right I, I always joke and say one of the reasons I love working around employment is because everybody either has a job or knows someone with a job, right? <laughs> so it's like it's one of those things that you can't avoid being around work. It's a big part of, of who we are and how we identify. And I got to be exposed to so many different people's stories and see how work can make a difference in either direction, right? And, and I saw when I would do the orientations, just like as children, we come in and nobody comes in to their new job and says, I can't wait to suck at this, right? <laughs> and so we, you know, I started to be very fascinated with how people go from being that person that's so excited in the interview that they're being chosen to the person that can't stand going to work. Wow. Wow. That, that, I think that is a unfortunate, very common thing because it, it's something that I, I've seen, you know, even at, I guess throughout my corporate career, talking to people that have been hired and where they get to that point where they're like, you know, I'm just very cynical. And I, I would always wonder, like, how did you go from being excited to telling your family you got this new job when you first started to now you're cynical? Like, what happened? Yeah. So now take us into now your background now 
what do you actually do in your field? Like, how would you describe the type of work that you do? I describe it as, as conflict resolution, and it's a full range of services. Um, it depends on what people come to me with, right? So um, a lot of people, will they know I'm a mediator, so they'll come with the intent to resolve a dispute before it's gotten into court. And sometimes we approach the, the other party that's involved in that dispute, and they're not interested. So I realize at that point, I can still serve them. I just can't serve them in the same way. So then it might be that I'm coaching them on how to work through that process before it actually gets to court. And then as the last resort, we might litigate, but I do a lot less litigation at this point. I think it's a, it's a skill set. Look, I was quite good at it and probably still would be if I chose to be, <laughs> but I didn't like the experience of the adversarial process. You know, the dehumanization that we see of the other side. And, you know, it's, it, we, we talk about litigation like it's war, right? Which means we have to dehumanize the other party and we go in with the intent to destroy them, right? And I, that doesn't really send the message that I want to send out into the world. I would much rather work with people on building the skills because that's what it is. Most of the time we end up in conflict because we just don't know how to have the conversations to resolve it. So I started coaching and mediating and training. And that was when I started to see I'm in kind of my sweet spot. Okay, nice. And I do think that that is very, very important because I think as we start to have those conversations and we start to hear the other side in a, I guess you say, in a cooler-headed environment, I think we start to see that, you know, I guess we're not as different as we thought or we're not as, you know, I guess you say adversarial as we thought. Yeah. So what have been some of the, the, the common things that you've seen end up, I guess, requiring mediation or leading to litigation when it comes to the workplace? Especially right now, I think we're very aware of um, the, the various parts of discrimination that occur in the, uh, in the workplace. And, and so I deal every, with everything from gender, race, religion, disability, age, um, gender identity, right? So I deal with a lot of, of discrimination cases that they, they may be single instances that are still correctable. So one of the things I work with people on is how to own what you did and ask for forgiveness, but not with the, you know, kind of, oh, I'm sorry, I was just kidding, right? <laughs> or why are you taking that? So, right, because that's where the conflict really starts to get deeper is because somebody says, wow, that was really out of, out of place or offensive, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not good at dealing with ourselves around that. Right. Like if, if, if you came to me and said, Nancy, what you said was very, very offensive. And instead of me hearing you and just going, why are you so why are you so sensitive? Get over it. Right. I was just kidding. Then you feel completely dismissed. And that's what we see is people just don't really have the skills to say, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't think about like how that could land for you. And imagine how if you felt heard and acknowledge for wow, I'm offended, and then you had a conversation, you, you felt complete, right? Suddenly it's like this much of an issue. 
But when we keep trying to bury it and not being accountable for it, I think, you know, that's what we're seeing all around us right now is we just don't deal with it when we don't feel like we know how. So we, you know, we do that ignore it, maybe it'll go away thing. And if you haven't noticed, that hasn't worked. <laughs> right? That doesn't work. It's under the rug, but that dirt just keeps building and building and building. And then you have a big lump in your rug, right? So it's like, just, just deal with it. I know it's uncomfortable. And so what I work with people on is just get comfortable with being a little uncomfortable sometimes and accept that you're going to make mistakes. And I think that that's a very, a very good point. Cause I would say, I mean, even from a personal experience from my high point, like uh, my wife and I have been married almost five years. And <laughs> I think in the first few years, um, like she's more in tune with her emotions, how she feels. I am much more logical. Kind of, uh, and she would come to me and she would tell me about like something I did or said. And my thought process is, well, just jump into the facts of explaining why I did it. And it, it took me a little while, like you said, to build that skill of, hey, hear her out, listen, and understand where she's coming from. Like, you know, you, you, it's not necessarily that you have to agree. Just, hey, first, understand where she's coming from and see it from her perspective. And I will say it, result, it, it brought a lot of resolution to conflict and back and forth arguing. And it doesn't, it doesn't work all the time, which is why um, sometimes we end up in litigation or there are certain types of cases um, like workplace injuries that you, you don't have a mediation program in most places. So um, those things maybe still have to go through that process. But I work with my clients. I have two that I still do some of their workers' comp litigation. And primarily because I love them and I've been working with them so long, I still do it, but we, and they also do it from a place of, they know it's about keeping the relationship. I mean, no, you know, there's an insurance company involved and they say, no, no, we want to be involved in our cases. We're not just going to hand it off to some, you know, insurance company that doesn't know our employees and work with, you know, and work this through and beat down our employees to avoid paying money. So they're like, no, we're self-funding this. We want control over it and we don't want you alienating our employees. So, it, and so we, I can talk to them about that situation of it's all about how people are feeling and what they're experiencing. And no matter what the conflict is, and that's what you saw in your marriage, right? And, um, and, and so, yeah, the logical part, and look, I'm trained as a lawyer. Of course, I go through the logical process, right? But I have to go, okay, so now I know the logical process. Let me think about what's probably going on over in that other person's experience. And, and then not just assume I know, but actually ask them about it. Because that's the other thing we do, right? Is then we think, oh, well, if that happened to me, I would feel like this. So that must be how Terrell's feeling, right? So now I'm going to start responding to you as though that's how you're feeling. And I haven't asked you. <laughs> it's amazing. We're crazy. That is. People are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how, like, when you say it out loud, it sounds so simple, but it's like in the moment, it's just like, it's like the total opposite of what, what we usually do. <laughs> It is. Robert Kiyosaki has a saying, um, you know, the financial guru, and he says, you know, as, the, as, as emotions go up, intelligence goes down. And, uh, and I, I think that's really what we see is because I catch myself. There are certain places where I 
still in building skill. I've been, you know, working in certain areas of my life where I, you know, and it's what most of us deal with, right? We have one or two areas as we get more skilled in others. We have those ones where we get, we get triggered a little bit and um, I can see it, you know, at least now I can recognize, oh, that's what's going on. My brain is going into this process of, wait, where's that file? I know, I know, I know what I, what, what happens when this occurs and it just pulls because, you know, that's what we know about neuroscience too, is it pulls these different files from our, our brain and then says, oh, that's it. So do this. And that's not actually, you know, always the right connection to make. And so we, we've learned that we can train our brains. And that's the other thing I like to bring into my work is kind of training our brains to respond more effectively to situations that would normally trigger us. And it starts with just being able to slow down and recognize that you're being triggered so that you know to pull back while you're at that, you know, emotion up and your intelligence isn't really where you want it to be. <laughs> awesome. So, speaking of that, what types of services do you offer and what can companies or businesses hire you for? So a lot of times it's just a consultation, right? Of, um, you know, here's the situation that I'm in. Is there a way to work through it? And I start there because I also am a small business owner, right? And so I don't want to tie up funds, especially right now during the, during the pandemic, right? We don't want to tie up that operating capital. So I'll do, I'll baby step it along. I start with a consultation and we look at, is this most appropriate for mediation? Is this something you want to go back and, and approach the other party about? Is it a, a broad dispute in the workplace that involves multiple people? In that situation, it might be that what we have to do is set up several different coaching and training sessions, and we do a more holistic approach. And then there are, again, some of those situations where it's going to go to litigation, and at that point, I'll probably refer it to a real litigator, like not that I'm not a real litigator, but somebody who's still committed to that process in a way that I'm not anymore. Okay. So where can people find you on website or on social media? So we have two different websites because I just moved my online school to its own domain. So that is at third ear listeners. So it's three and D listeners.com. Um, that's based on my third year conflict resolution process. And then I have N as in Nancy schicklaw.com. So those are my two websites. And then I am on LinkedIn and I have a Facebook uh, business page. Only thing on LinkedIn that I'll warn you is that um, you're a little different because you and I actually communicated, right? And I said, I think I said that to you is that I don't normally connect with people I don't know because the people I am connected to there are people I have a relationship with and that I would feel comfortable endorsing, continuing to develop that relationship. So if we haven't connected, um, I'm probably going to invite you to do something like we're doing, where we're ta we're chatting, um, and you're and you're invited to just follow me if you just want to slowly build that relationship. But I'm not just trying to gather you know fans or anything like that. I love people. I want to know how to get to know you. I want to know how to help you, and that's my idea of a friendship or a connection. <laughs> It's very, it's very, uh, I guess you say, interesting now with, you know, with social media, the way 
that term of connection or friends or people in my network get thrown around. Um, so where I, I do find it like every so often I, I tend to go through, go back through my connections and like just send individual messages, whether that's connecting, seeing how they're doing and just kind of recapping like how, how I know them or just checking on them or just doing something to really say like, it's more than just having a number on my account. It is like, Hey, if we have a connection, what can I do to actually, you know, feed this connection or this relationship to stay healthy? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I realized that years ago I was, you know, when you're new to it, you're like connecting with everybody. It just seems fun. And oh, my gosh, look at all these people. And I actually got rid of my Twitter accounts in part because I realized it wasn't really generating relationship. And it was, if anything, it was, it became like a vanity thing for me, <laughs> right? Where it's like, why am I not getting enough? You know, and, and I said, life, I think, coronavirus brought that forward too is just a reminder that life is too short and we want to surround ourselves with people that we have mutuality with so that we're building something and not just our own egos <laughs> I think that, you know, building confidence and building ego are different right I think that is very true <laughs> <laughs> Now, one question that I like to ask before, we, before I wrap up any interview is, you know, as you think about, you know, your journey as a small business owner and as a professional in your space, you know, what's one lesson that you kind of learned that you say that, you know, this is a lesson that I think all entrepreneurs should grasp in their, at some point in their journey in building their business? It's interesting because when I originally was preparing for the interview, I was going to talk about the swirly, right? The, the swirly route. Um, and we already got that in. So I can, I can bring in something else that's really valuable, I think, for small business owners as they're building out their team. And I, and I do a lot of work in this, too, with, the, uh, with negotiating penalties with the state. You know, obviously, I'm only licensed in New York, so I only do it in New York. But um, there's so many publications and gurus out there that tell you to build your business with independent contractors. And this is an area I see a lot of people get into trouble. It's like, we'd like the way that sounds. It's like, oh, you won't have to pay taxes and benefits and all of that. But the criteria is very specific. So I think that's one of the key lessons I need people to, uh, that are you know, watching this to, to get is that you have to go through this step-by-step step and you have to analyze the type of work they're going to be doing, how often they're going to be doing it, how much control you have versus they have over how, how the work gets done. Um, I like to tell people it's an independent contractor is an independent business owner with a contract, right, to do services that you don't provide. So, right, like if I were hiring somebody to do paralegal work, that's obviously part of my, my business is to do legal work. So if I'm having somebody come in on a regular basis that I'm paying under their social security number and they're coming in every week and, you know, virtually even coming in together every week, <laughs> right? Um, that they're probably an employee, not an independent contractor, because at that point they're not independent business owners. They don't have an employer identification number. They don't have a, a, a tax identification number aside from their work, their uh, social security number. And so I see people get into trouble by not 
having workers comp for them, disability benefits. And in New York, we have paid family leave. And especially right now, that's coming into play because people are using paid family leave to take care of loved ones that have the virus or that are quarantined or their kids are out of school because of it, right? And we're using paid family leave to supplement that. And if you're not paying into it, guess who's coming and knocking on your door? Okay, they're not knocking on your door. They're sending you an email or something in the mail. <laughs> they used to come to your door. <laughs> So that's a big one. So thank you for letting me get that in. I hadn't had that worked in. So the, so uh, so thank you for that's a really big one that I see people like just to get an idea what the penalties are. It's ten. It's for every ten day period. It's two thousand dollars per worker that should have insurance. So by the time people come to me, a lot of times they have penalties that are sixty five thousand dollars or more. Wow. Wow, that is, I think that one is a very, very important one. Um, so yeah, definitely thank you for sharing that. <laughs> thank you for letting me get it in. That's really important. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nance, thank you so much for coming onto the show. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing your wisdom and your experience. Because on, on the show, Business Talk Library, we always like to hear different people's story, where it provides inspiration, insight, and then also the wisdom and the tips that people share, because not every entrepreneur, I guess, has access to all of the wealth they get shared. So thank you for sharing that and being on the show. Yeah, thank you. And that concludes another episode of the Business Talk Library. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can connect with us on any social media platform, Instagram at Business Talk Library, LinkedIn. You can follow the Business Talk Library hashtag. You can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube searching for Business Talk Library. If there's any topics that you would like addressed or any questions you have about your business or your career path that you would like for us to answer on the show, feel free to shoot us a note on any of those platforms and we will try our best to get to them. Remember, keep it simple.